Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Hour number three of Sports Talk begins. I'm John Wilkerson. Vince Ferrara pinch hitting for Jimmy Hyams. And on Thursdays at this time, that's when we head to the Stanley Fencing Gates hotline to say hello to Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com as he joins us for his weekly visit. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. Brent Hubs, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well, John. Yes, sir. Can you update us on how the wrestling's going? Uh, there's eight mats, and there's a match on every mat right now. It's uh, it, it's uh, started a couple hours ago, and uh, it's going well. we got a lot of East Tennessee kids in the area, not just Gibbs kids, a bunch of Halls kids. They've had a great season, got a great team this year, and uh, so it, it's good right now. We're um, I, we have not The Hubs family has not wrestled yet, so we'll, we'll see how that goes later tonight. Okay, well, we wish everybody from East Tennessee the best of luck. And, of course, such an incredible uh, career thus far for Eli and, and hope that uh, this last ride is, is incredibly special. But if you have a question or comment for Brent, you can join the program or just text it to us with the same number, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. And, Brent, as we take a look around um, – Obviously, a lot of folks are looking at what might be next for those that just completed their Tennessee football career, and it's got to be pretty exciting to uh, to see that there are some projections out there that have two Vols that could go in the first round. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, um, and I felt this way, and I think uh, you did and several others did as well. Darnell Wright had a chance to make as much noise as anybody. Uh, when people started really diving into it. I think one of the things that Darnell's had to do is he's had to show everybody who he is because he didn't do any media stuff uh, really the last two years at Tennessee. Uh, wasn't comfortable with it, didn't enjoy doing it, and, and didn't do those things. So a lot of NFL teams had questions about his personality, kind of who was it? Um, you know, was he, a, was he a bad fit? Was it, you know, what, what was he like? And so I think him, you know, Darnell meeting with teams has helped that. And then, obviously, when they watched the tape and they saw him at the Senior Bowl, he performed well down there. And the one thing about Darnell is the durability, John. He's just played so many snaps the last two years uh, that it's just um, – that, that's got to resonate with some teams out there, particularly when they're carrying, what, 45 or so on a given Sunday. I know it's a 53-man roster, but I, I think you got about 45 or so active on Sunday. That, you know, durability is a factor, being able to play multiple positions. You could be your third tackle for somebody and – play left or right until, you know, he's developed and ready to go. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised that he's, he's booked up and, and he's kind of getting some attention from everybody. Um, Jalen Hyde is going to be all about how he runs, I think. A lot of people like him. They want to see that speed um, and, and how it looks like at the 40. But, um, you know, he had a great year. And then to me, the most intriguing thing is where does Hendon Hooker fall in all this? Because I, I've never seen John – never is a strong word. Maybe it's not fair. But I can't recall – an injured player generating as much buzz as Hendon Hooker has through this month or so since the two months since the end of the, the Orange Bowl and kind of got into some of the draft stuff. I mean, 
there's a ton of people talking about Hendon Hooker because there's so much uncertainty on how this quarterback draft's going to go. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch as well. We uh, we saw that uh, Josh Heupel got a, a nice raise and extension uh, for the success that Tennessee enjoyed <laughs> last year. That's an understatement, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We should nice. Be, we should nice. be so lucky. <laughs> but uh, man, you guys, man, I wish I could get on your Christmas present li- Christmas <laughs> gift list. <laughs> but uh, today you guys had the story that a lot of assistants are also getting uh, bumps, uh, much deserved bumps in their pay as well. Yeah, I mean, guys are getting, um, you know, elevated and, and uh, some of them are getting some contract extensions. It's a little bit interesting that everybody's not on the same page in terms of lengths of contract. Um, so that that's kind of a fascinating thing. I don't think everybody's deal is completely done. Those deals were as of um, January 31st, and um, that was – it came out today at a Board of Trustees meeting. And it's kind of how that got out there, so – I still think you might see something with Tim Banks in terms of an amendment to his contract. He's at $1.5 million, uh, but I think you can at least see him extended out years, if not get a small bump in pay. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, it's the cost of doing business in this league is expensive, and Tennessee's at about $7 million for uh, its assistant coaches, not counting strength coaches and, and other guys like that. And, and that's just the way it is in the SEC. And this staff should be rewarded. Uh, obviously, when you look at what Tennessee got done, not just this year, but what they've done in the two years that they've been here, what they've got this program to, uh, the interest that they've generated, the the, the success that they've had, um, there's no reason that they should not all be compensated for what they produced. Brent, what would you think of the latest commit for Tennessee and Marcus Gorey, Jr.? Uh, a good player, Vince. I mean, I think this is a credit to Tennessee and an early eval, an early eval. A uh, good athlete. Um, I, he's a defensive back all the way from me, and um, a guy who tracks the ball well. He's got some length uh, and loves to compete. Um, there's just a lot of things I like about him. I think his stock is going to continue to climb uh, throughout the, the summer and uh, the springtime when more and more people evaluate him. But Tennessee did a really smart thing in, in offering that one early. They got involved in that one quickly. Um, and, and and got out in front and, and beat everybody to the punch, if you will. So I, I thought that was a, a really good move from Tennessee. They got into camp, loved him at camp, and didn't hesitate, offered, and, and that put Tennessee in a great spot. Hey, that's something that you've mentioned with some of the other guys, that Tennessee evaluated them early, and then you saw their recruiting rankings really rise. I remember you saying that about Nathan Laycock as well. We saw how how his rankings skyrocketed. They were in early. Are there other examples of recent guys that this coaching staff assigned that Tennessee evaluated and got on very early that you, know, you think are, are going to pay dividends for them down the road? Well, I mean, you know, Arian Carter, Tennessee wasn't first, but they were in the first weekend, and in a week's time, he had 40 Power 5 offers, and, and Tennessee at least were not, wasn't on the back end of that week. They weren't the first, but they weren't the last. That probably helped them. Laycock, as you mentioned, is the guy that, that they did a really good job with. I think you can you can look at Trevor Duncan. I think you can look at Nate Robinson uh, as guys that look that way. I think you can look at Weathersby kid. Auburn came hard after him. Um, you know, Tyrone Wesley after Tennessee got a commit, commitment from him um, back in the summertime, and he had a great senior year. You know, in, in this thing, and I'm not knocking the recruiting rankings. That's my business. That's what we do, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with how we go about our business and 
doing our rankings, and, and I think a lot of services do a good job with the rankings. Uh, but, but coaches have to trust their own eyes. Uh, as I've, I've said for years, that the coaches have a lot of things that are important to them, that are valuable to them in a program, the strength coach, facilities. You know, there's all kinds of things that are important. The most valuable thing they own in, in a football program is 25 scholarships, or the 85 is where we're at now. Take the 25 out. It's the 85. You've got to get enough of your 85 right. If you don't, you're not going to be there because you're not going to win consistently without talent. And so you got to be right more than you're wrong uh, on your 85, and, and you got to trust your eyes. you got to you trust and believe yourself. Don't get caught up in what the, the outsider's view is with stars and all those things. Trust and believe in your eyes, and, and if you're good evaluators, it's going to pay, it's going to pay dividends for you. And um, I think Tennessee, to this point, has shown a good ability to evaluate. Where's Tennessee in in-state Edwin Spillman? They obviously signed his uh, uh, younger brother, Nate Spillman, to the 2023 class. Uh, where is Tennessee on Edwin Spillman? Well, I think they're in great shape there. Um, it's certainly not done, uh, but, but Edwin and Nate are extremely close, um, and, and for good reason. Those, those two young men have been through a lot in their lives together, and they've always stayed stayed together they're extremely close and um I, I you know edwin's been up here so many times that it's hard for me not to see him ultimately ending up at tennessee i know he talks about ohio state and some other schools but that one just feels like at the end of the day whenever that is it's going to be tennessee because he loves tennessee people around him really like tennessee and his brother's here and he's extremely close to his brother i mean those guys they're not twins but if you didn't know who they were, you'd think they were twins, just in just in the way they act around each other. They're very, very close. Brent, it's been something to see, and we know that at some point this is a, a position where, one, Tennessee wants to shore up the ranks and, and really get them involved. You kind of saw it with a, a jack-of-all-trades in Princeton Fant last year, but uh, it looks like in terms of building future classes, Tennessee is zeroing in on a couple of really impressive young tight ends with uh, Jaden Riddell and... What do you think in terms of uh, that role for uh, either one of those young men, should they say yes to Tennessee? Well, I mean, in fact, that position's a huge priority for Tennessee. Just huge. I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, what you have right now, McCollin Castle's going to be a senior. Jacob Warren's a senior. you got Ethan Davis behind him as a freshman, but that's it. Everything else is a walk-on status. and uh, They're going to have to recruit well in the high school ranks, John, and I think they're going to have to get active in the portal again. Uh, to build the depth that they need at that position. You look at them in a lot of places. Linebacker, they've got a nice core of depth really building like where they're at. They've, they've supplemented it with the BYU kid to add some experience there. But they've got five young linebackers that, that get you excited. you got some depth at corner now. They're young, but you've created some numbers there. They've got to create more numbers at the tight end position. They just don't have enough bodies there. Uh, so they're swinging. they got some high school kids who are certainly interested in them. Um, and, and have been to campus, they've got to get them back. And, and then I think they've got to also find some help um, in the transfer portal as well. I think that's going to be important for Tennessee. 
That's Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com with Vince Ferrara. I'm John Wilkerson, and we invite you to join us. It's so easy to do exactly that. You can be a part of the conversation, 865-656-9900, or you can text us your question with that same number, 865-656-9900. Brent's appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. Sports Talk continues today at Pals Personal Auto Locator Service. That's P-A-L-S, Knoxville.com, if you want to check them out online. And we're here at their location, 6751 on Wilbanks Road, which is right off of Callahan Drive, which in turn, right off the interstate, I-75 North, one exit north of Merchants Drive. This is Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. <laughs> I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Sports Talk continues. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. I'm John Wilkerson with Vince Ferrara, and today we're here at Powell's Personal Auto Locator Service, their location, Wilbanks Road, right off of Callahan Drive, which is right off of I-75 North. And, Brent, we, uh, we had Lance who uh, sent this question. Certainly a lot has been shared in terms of opinion on Alabama and how it's handled um, a really tough situation, but without a doubt, Brandon Miller... Uh, has been right in the center of the spotlight this week in terms of what the school either should have done or hasn't done. And I'm just wondering, what do you think in terms of this instance? And and I know a lot of Tennessee fans have tried to uh, make the comparison between what Alabama's going through to, uh, to what Tennessee went through when Bruce Pearl was the coach and, and Tyler Smith, of course, uh, wound up with the, the much publicized situation where Tennessee lost a handful of scholarship players in one fell swoop. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable really comparing the two. You had a young lady die in, mm-hmm. in the Alabama situation. She was shot and killed. Um, my biggest takeaway from the Alabama situation is I don't think they handled it very well. I, I think Nate Oates' uh, comments, initial comments, weren't very good. Um, his, his, what he came back and said, to me, contradicted things because it made it appear like Alabama learned things new this week, um, you know, which would mean, well, why wouldn't you do something about that this week? You felt like you needed to do something. It's very clear. I mean, the district attorney says they're not going to charge Brandon Miller and, and Alabama's not going to do any kind of punishment to Brandon Miller without a charge in front of him. I don't know all the Alabama laws, John. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, you would like to hope that when Brandon Miller got a, and got a text that said, "Hey, bring me a bring me my weapon," he would have called somebody in the in the basketball program and tried to handle that differently than maybe delivering the weapon. But, but I don't, I'm not, I don't know enough about their uh, everything down there legally. I just, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a troubling story in, in a lot of different ways, but it's not mine. It's not mine to pass judgment. I just it, it's unfortunate someone died in that situation, and um, you know I think it could have been handled from a PR standpoint, from Alabama's standpoint, in a lot better fashion than what it was. But I think in Alabama's mind, you know, it's it's quote put to bed, and and, and they've moved on. I don't think they have any thought process at all 
that Brandon Miller deserves and is going to get any kind of punishment from anybody or, or taken off the basketball court in any way. And it's clearly, if it's bothering Brandon Miller, he, he can compartmentalize better than anybody I've ever seen because he was terrific on the court last night for South Carolina. Certainly didn't look like he was bothered by anything or, or worried about anything in terms of his future with, with you know, with the rest of this season. Yeah, and what's muddied the waters, I'm sorry, John, what muddied the waters on a lot of this is when Nate Oates held that press conference and had those dismissive, uh, that dismissive tone that he later apologized for, uh, he acted like he had all the information, but apparently they didn't transfer all of that new info to him. Then when they got the new info, there were some reports out there, some of which some outlets have retracted and said, well, we mischaracterized what, what the police report said. And then, so Nate Oates is apologizing after the game last night and saying, I didn't have all the information. Well, there's apparently more information that helped them determine that he would play in that game. Uh, and part of that information is the timing of it. Brent, like you mentioned, you know, why deliver the gun? Well, his a defense attorney says, well, he was already in route there. He was almost there when he sent that text. So there's so many factual things that we don't know what's truth and what's or what's not that kind of graze it up. But you certainly, I agree with you, Brent, that the handling of it and the tone is what's the most disturbing that's come out of it that we know factually of to this point. Yeah, I mean, NATO clearly did not appear like he was prepared to answer those questions, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I would, you know, if you know that that's going to, to court, going before a judge and things are going to be talked about there, you're not, you're not doing anything off the cuff at the podium. It's just not going to happen. It's too serious of a situation. You got to be better, get better prepared, better plan, have a better statement. Um, I would defer the statement to the athletics director, not the head basketball coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Alabama was clearly not buttoned up on, on their from the PR standpoint. And I don't want to judge it based all on, on on PR because that's, again, someone died, okay? There was a murder that took right. place, and there's charges of murder in that. I'm not saying Brandon Miller is, is guilty or not guilty because I don't, I don't know all the laws of Alabama. Alabama failed, in my opinion, from the PR standpoint and conveying what they knew – you should never have to run a retraction or walk your things back after you make that first initial statement. You got to be better that better than that in your first initial statement. To join us on the program, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Brent, we've seen this Tennessee basketball team compete, but unfortunately just not going their way. And one area that it's really not going their way is at the free throw line. Uh, I I think it's minus 37 or 38 points over the last two games. And uh, A&M able to ride the charity stripe to a five-point win over the Vols on Tuesday. Where do you think Tennessee is with three games to go and two of those being at home starting with South Carolina Saturday? Well, I mean, you gotta, you got to roll your sleeves up and go to work and play. And the first thing you got to do is you got to quit fouling. you gotta, mm-hmm. you got to stop fouling shooters, sending guys to the free throw line. And, um, you know, they, they, they certainly fouled a whole bunch in the, um, uh, in, in the Kentucky game. They fouled a whole bunch in the Texas A&M game. I went back and looked this up. The number of fouls that Tennessee has committed 
in January versus February is not greatly different. But the, the average number of free throws, teams are averaging about seven more free throw attempts in the month of February than they did in the month of January. So what you're getting is you're not getting hand checks or away from the basket or fouls on a rebound. You're fouling a lot of jump shooters is what you're doing. And Tennessee's got to do a better job of closing out and closing out without fouling. Uh, you know, you're going to, you know, you got to foul better at the rim if you're going to foul. And, you know, they've got to do a better job of, of playing without fouling. And then conversely, Tennessee, you know, I just don't think they're going to be a team that gets to the free throw line with regularity because I don't, I don't think there's anybody on this team that can do it or is willing to do it. Julian Phillips has got some ability if he can get healthy. He should be a guy who goes to the line a lot. He's got to kind of put his head down and drive it a little bit. Ziegler is willing to do that. He's just limited by his height that, that it makes it easy for, for rim protectors to swat the ball away against his side. It's hard for him to finish at the rim. And then, I, you know, Josiah Jordan-James has played 100 career games. He's been to the free throw line 117 times. It's not his DNA to get to the rim. That's not what, what his game is going to be about. So um, Tennessee's got to negate some of that because by not fouling because, conversely, Tennessee is not – suddenly going to get themselves to the free throw line a bunch more to even that out. Our guest, Brent Hubbs. If you have a question or comment for Brent, again, you can text this to us or join the conversation. 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Sports Talk continues on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk rolls on. Vince Ferrara, pinch hitting for Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. Let's go back to the phones where Sam joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Sam. What's up, guys? Um, you know, I was just wondering what all it's going to – if we think that we'll be ready and back to what we were last year around the tournament time offensively to just, you know, make it a bit further in the tournaments than we have in the past few years. Well, their, their defense has to be really good, and they've got they've got to be hot shooting the basketball. I mean, they've got to make they've got to make shots. I think that's the bottom line is that they've got to make shots. If they don't make shots, they're going to have a hard time. One of the things they could do last year, um, late in the year, is they could isolate run Kennedy Chandler kind of one on one in the middle of the floor. And he did that multiple times in the tournament. He did it for a stretch in the Michigan game that, you know, Michigan you know, made a bunch of shots on Tennessee. Their defense let them down in that game, not necessarily their offense. Tennessee just doesn't have that ability right now. And, and that's the biggest thing, hurting them. Uh, and then to get perimeter jump shots, part of the issue is nobody's having to double the post. All goes in the post, you can play it straight up. So nobody has to, to, to become unattached, if you will, to the perimeter jump shooters. So Santiago Vescovi is in the corner, um, you know, or on the wing, and the ball comes driving down the middle of the paint or they throw it into the paint. He didn't, his guy doesn't help off at all. He just stays locked in because there's no worry, no need to double team in the post. And, and that's been a problem for Tennessee this year as well. Sure to appreciate the call, Sam. To join us on the show, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. And, Brent, I know that uh, it's always exciting when we see 
Tennessee baseball start its home schedule. Did so with a couple of, um, well, we'll just say very enjoyable games for the Orange and White in terms of their first two home dates at Lindsey Nelson. And, and you guys, of course, have great coverage on Vol Quest when it comes to the Diamond Vols. Yeah, Eric Kane's Eric doing a great job for us. He was in Arizona. And I love the fact that Tennessee went to Arizona, John. And I know it didn't work out the way that they wanted. And that Saturday game, they feel like they gave away and pitched well enough to win, but the bats weren't weren't lively enough out there. But I love the fact that they went out there and played competition like that. Because no offense to the two midweek games this week, they got some guys, some experience, and some young players got an opportunity to, to get playing time and um, – you know, some guys maybe settled in, saw the ball a little bit better. But you got you want to go play good competition, get better, and I, that's why I like the Arizona tournament. Like the way Tennessee came back and and attacked these two games. They took care of business. Um, I think everybody likes the ten run rule right now. Um, but, you know, because you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wear a bunch of guys out or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, a solid bounce back week for Tennessee, and then obviously they've got this weekend. Good news for Tennessee. They had great weather for two days. I don't know about this weekend, but uh, great crowds to open up the season. There's a lot of excitement around baseball, and it helps when you're playing in 70-degree weather in February. Because well, 30-degree oh, weather's coming in, in March. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, John. No, go ahead, Vince. No, I was going to say, uh, Brent, on all three, you guys uh, typically have – 32 five stars each year that's that's the number that i guess it ends up at right now there's only 15 is that something that they slowly work their way up to and add guys into the five category rather than some come and some go is that a build-up process for on three with five stars yeah i mean i think you want to see those guys right i mean the last thing you want to do is characterize somebody as as a five star and then and then have them drop a, a know a bunch in, in the rankings so um you know i i handed those things out like candy corn you know like what like <laughs> they used to years and years yeah. ago when i first started and there was a whole bunch a whole bunch of them so yeah i mean that that's a build up you want to you got a lot of four-star guys that are potential five-star candidates but you want to see that guy more you know um it's kind of like the nfl draft right i mean you got some guys you think are first rounder but who is your top five who's your top ten you want to see those guys more um and and you know, and um, evaluate those brothers. So that that'll be what spring's about for us with camps and the camp circuit, and then obviously um, seeing where all kids visit and and seeing you know just how kids stock goes, what do their bodies look like, how do they change, and all those types of things. So it's a process. You know, it's a year long process. I mean, we saw some guys become five stars. You know, late late in the year. Um, and, and not because we were trying to fill out the number, but just because those guys became worthy of five stars as the season went along. So um, that's something they're evaluating every day and every month. That's why we adjust the rankings and update the rankings as often as we do. Do you anticipate Tennessee? I mean, I know we're a long way to, uh, to go, but do you think Tennessee will have a good portion of its class filled up, so to speak, before the season uh, and similar to last year, whereas, you know, the year before they still needed uh, a, a positive regular season and then close, try to close strong after that. What's your anticipation this year? If you can look ahead. Well, I think we just, when you look at where recruiting is and how the calendar is and what the calendars become, I, I just think that it's Vince, you're going to finish your class, most of your class by August one. I think everybody is. Um, 
There'll be some, but there won't be a ton of guys out there. There'll be some fall commits, but there'll be you're going to have the bulk of your class done if you're a Power Five school by the by the end of by the end of summer. By the time you get to August one, that's just that's the result of where we are with with recruiting and the cycle that recruiting has become. Now, kids are making early decisions. Um, coaching staffs at colleges and, and, and around the country are pushing for earlier decisions. Um, kids are taking official visits in April and May, and um, you know, and coming up for camps and unofficial visits and junior days and whatever, whatever we're calling them now. This is big cat, you know, orange carpets, <laughs> what they used to call it, Rocky yeah. Palooza, Rocky Top Palooza, whatever they are, the specialty day, if you will. And, and those are, the, you know, those are to get commits, and and that's. Everybody's trying to get done fast. And until they change the recruiting calendar, um, I think that's going to be the continued trend. Greg Sankey said this about a month ago, a month and a half ago, expressing concern about the recruiting calendar and where recruiting's at. He had three coaches at Florida this week go to the National Football League on him. Um, not on him, but, but leave the league to go to the National Football League. And I think a big part of why they left was because of the grind of the recruiting world that you're living in. Todd Munkin has, has gone. Um, Sherman may leave Georgia to go to the NFL. He may have left today. I don't know that he did, but, but he's involved there. You're seeing a lot of good coaches bounce to the NFL. And the reason being, they, they don't have a life. You know, you, you, you can't go to the movie theater because you're afraid your phone's going to ring or you got to get up five or six times to go out and answer a phone call or, or you don't get a weekend off because you've got to have somebody in, you know, somebody's coming through or you got a junior day. Or, or, hey, you get a phone call from somebody in your territory that says, hey, that seven-on-seven team is passing through town. We're going to go from one tournament to the next. Um, you know, we're going to stop in and see you. We'll be there sometime this evening. Whether it's this evening, 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, as a coach, you got to go there to sit and wait. And that, that carload of kids might have one guy you're interested in, uh, but that's where you got to be. you got to drop whatever you're doing that week to go do it while the calendar's open. So, that's something the NCAA has to address moving forward. Are you going to see more and more coaches, I think, quality coaches, try to make a move to the next level that they can? All right, let me ask you about one kid specifically. Tennessee doesn't have big numbers in terms of scholarship running backs. Where is Tennessee on Cincinnati, uh, Ohio running back Jordan Marshall uh, from Archbishop Muller? Well, he was here in January, which was good. Says he's going to come back through and see all of his schools again in um, in the springtime um, and, and plans to be back down here. I, I expect Tennessee's going to get uh, another visit out of him and an, probably an official visit as well. So I think you'll probably see Tennessee a couple more times. He's building a good rapport um, with, with the Tennessee coaching staff. He talks to Josh Heupel a, a lot. Jerry Max done a really good job there. They talk on a regular basis. So uh, one of the interesting things about him is, is he wants and, and needed and feels like he continues to need to learn more and more about this offense. Because when we talked to him after junior day, one of the things he talked about in some of the X's and O's meetings that he went through was just the realization and the reminder that they run the football in this offense. Because the perception by so many is that it's just a pass-happy offense and there's not any kind of real power running game in it. And that was something that was important for him to see when he was here for junior day. So Tennessee made some inroads, had a good visit with him then, and, and need to get him back um, uh, here at least one more time, hopefully two more times before he makes a final decision. And he's another guy who I expect 
will make a decision sometime this late spring, early summer. He'll be done by August 1. Brent Hubbs from VolQuest.com joining us here on Sports Talk. John Wilkerson, Vince Ferrara. Brent Hubbs Hour continues when we come back here on 99.1, the Sports Animal. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Guys, not everything is 40 chess. Why can't we just laugh? Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. We all know I'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to Facts by Tom McDonald. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk. Final segment for us with Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. And we, of course, go invite you to join us, and you can do so a couple of ways, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Let's check in with Mike, who's called in. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys tonight? Doing well. Thank you. Good. Hey, I just had a question for you guys and for Brent. Uh, with the uh, COVID year that some of our athletes have taken advantage of, has, has anyone on our basketball team uh, mentioned or made any uh, suggestions that they might take advantage of this COVID year, you know, some of our juniors or seniors? Uh, Josiah Jordan-James was asked about it at the um, tip-off club where he was the speaker on Wednesday and did indicate that it was under consideration for him. How serious, okay. I don't know, but he did indicate he was – he was giving it some consideration. I think Santiago is probably going to go overseas and play. I don't think he will come back. Uh, so I would think Josiah is the only one at this point that would be a possibility. And I don't know how serious he is about that. But he did he did say that it was he had some consideration of it when he talked to the quarterback or the tip-off club on Wednesday. All right. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate it. And hope you guys have a good evening. Thank you. All right. Sure do appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. And Vince, you got something? Yeah, yeah, Brent. I want to. I want to keep asking about a couple of recruits that I'm, I'm sure the Steves of the world and uh, and others are, are interested in. And, uh, it's another out of state guy and wide receiver Ryan Wingo from St. Louis, Missouri. Ten- Tennessee certainly hasn't had difficulty in in luring. Uh, skill position guys like that, but he's a pretty highly rated guy. Where's Tennessee in the mix for Wingo? Well, he's been on Tennessee's campus a couple of different times in the last eight or nine months. He actually saw Tennessee play back-to-back, saw him play at Pittsburgh um, as a as a visitor for Pittsburgh because that's one of the schools he's been considering, and then saw him play against Florida. Uh, he was here for junior day uh, back in January, and Says he hopes to get back down here for spring practice. We'll see if that happens. He's definitely going to take an official visit here. Tennessee's certainly right at the top of the list with him. I'm not calling him the favorite or saying that one's done, but uh, he's like Tennessee for a while. Tennessee's been on that one for a while. He's visited um, multiple times, and I expect that we'll see him back in town again. And what about athlete Jaden Ball from uh, Decatur, Georgia? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be one. I think Georgia's hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, he's an athlete that, that Tennessee likes, and uh, I think they'll get him on campus and, and be in, involved in it and swing in there. But, uh, you know, it depends on how hard Georgia Georgia comes. Where's Alabama? Where's Auburn? 
George is as hotly recruited as any state in the country. And um, Tennessee's swinging in there. They've obviously got ties to the state of Georgia with a bunch of coaches who have recruited there for a long period of time. And they've had some success in the state of Georgia. We'll continue to have it. But uh, those things are going to be dogfights with those guys. John, do that? Yeah, I was oh, uh, that's a, I was just going to say, uh, Brent, we saw that uh, Eric Kane put together a piece in and around all of his uh, incredible baseball coverage that uh, it was about Tennessee's defense and that um, it, was a, it was a unit that while there certainly are uh, areas where they need to improve, um, was, was pretty much good when it needed to be. Um, what did you think in terms of the, uh, the look at Tennessee's defense by Eric as well as the projection for the areas where Tennessee could, could get in and uh, could get better and improve? Well, this is a team, I mean, it's a defense that was better in year two than they were in year one under Tim Banks. They were far from perfect, but they were better on third downs. They were better in the red zone. Yeah, they gave up too many yards. They gave up too many passing yards. They've got to make more plays on the ball. Uh, Tim Banks spoke openly about that when he visited with the media a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so there's plenty of growth there, but this is a defense that played better. I thought they tackled better for the most part this year. Uh, they've got to get to the quarterback without blitzing. Uh, they've got to tighten some things up in the secondary. But the, the two big objectives uh, for that defense was improvement in the red zone and improvement on third down, and Tennessee did a solid job of improving in both of those areas. Much like on the offensive side of the ball, they were better in short yardage this past year. Uh, that was a, a, a key point of emphasis for them last offseason, and, and they were certainly there. Now, they were record-setting in a lot of other categories, but probably the biggest area of improvement for the offense was what they got done in short yardage. They were a much better short yardage team. And defensively, they were better. They've just got to take another step this offseason. And I think this spring gives them the best chance to do that, that, that they've had thus far under Tim Banks, because they're going to be healthier. Um, you think about year one, no linebackers on the practice field, basically. A lot of walk-ons out there who weren't going to be factors. Year two, they had all those guys rehabbing from surgery and injuries in the secondary. And as a result of that, um, you know, that they were stunted in their development growth, and, and they're not going to have those issues this spring. It doesn't look like it's going to be a deeper team and a healthier team on the practice field. I think we're losing John. I think he was trying to jump in there. Brent, uh, let me ask you while we're trying, John reconnected about the secondary specifically. There's so many veteran guys back there. And as you know, they brought in a bunch of new guys as well. And the five freshmen all were able to, to practice early. But they still, if you take those guys out of the equation, they still have 15 guys that are not true freshmen. Do you think they have the right personnel to be able to, to find some starters out of that group with all the experience. I think nine of them are either seniors or redshirt seniors. They, they got veterans back there. It's just a matter of finding somebody that, that can, you know, lock those positions down. Well, they got to be more athletic. They do have better depth, but they've got to get more athletic back there. And that's why this spring is going to be so intriguing to watch. You know, where does Christian Charles play? I think he's a safety, not a corner. What do those freshmen look like? Where's Warren Burrell at coming off injury? Where's his confidence level? Um, you know, where's Brandon Turnage? Can he stay healthy? 
than Nico Slaughter. You're going to play him at corner. You're going to play him at nickel. You're going to play him at safety. I think he showed you this year that he ought to be on the field somewhere because he can help you. Uh, what kind of step does McDonald take moving forward? Where does a guy like John Slaughter, a freshman, factor in? You're bringing in Judy as a transfer in there as well. So they've got a lot of bodies which can create a lot of competition. Competition they really haven't had their first two years here as a coaching staff. They're going to have it this year, and I think that's a very positive thing for them this spring. Should be hotly contested back there in the back end for sure. Brent, what's going on at VolQuest on the On3 Network? Well, we've got uh, plenty of recruiting coverage. We'll continue with that. We've got hoops coverage. Obviously, the big weekend for Tennessee basketball. You got to take care of business at home against South Carolina. We'll have baseball coverage as well. Plenty of things going on right now at VolQuest.com. It's a great time to check us out. Jump on the message board, visit with us. We'd love to interact with you um, and uh, see what we're all about. It's a lot of fun. Brent, you're the man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good to talk to you. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks. All right. That is Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com. His hour every Thursday, 5 to 6, brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. And, guys, don't forget, you go to 991thesportsanimal.com, and you can get the podcast to Brent Hubs' hour. Go to the podcast section, Brent Hubs' hour, or anywhere you get your podcast, you can subscribe to the Brent Hubs Hour podcast and get it each week and listen to never miss any week of Brent Hubs joining us here on Sports Talk. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby at the whole school. Yeah, just I hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.